Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you by our wonderful partners at Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed a perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Well, if you want to do those things, reach out to Royal Links Golf Tours. They are a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play St. Andrews or Bally Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back to discuss a very impressive opening week win for the Bearcats over EKU, 66-13. I am joined, as always, by my partner, Jeff Howell in the brunch. And then this morning we have Hayden Moore, quarterback of the Bearcats and partner with Jeff Bartholomew at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. How are you guys doing this morning? Feeling good. Well, we'll uh, we'll get right into it. We'll start just with Hayden. <clears throat> you got to take in some of the game yesterday. Uh, do, you, do you watch games from the quarterback perspective or do you – now kind of just watch them as a general fan. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to uh, see it as the perspective of the quarterback and, and the coaches. So uh, you probably wouldn't like watching a game with me. Uh, every <laughs> single play, there's something going wrong, and I'm pointing it out. <laughs> so I can't enjoy it anymore. That guy should have done this, and it's a you know thirty yard play, and you're like you know seeing yeah. how how it could have been a fifty yard play. That was about a foot too far outside, you know. Yep. Like so what what did you think? I mean, there was a lot of questions coming into this season. New coaching staff, a lot of new players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. What was kind of your big impression that you took away from from game one? Um, you know, coming in with a new coach, I think that they looked well put together you know when when fickle came in our first year um there was a lot of mistakes on the offense there's a lot of mistakes on the defense it it didn't look as great you know um fundamentally like we had a lot of penalties uh per se um and they look good you know offense looked amazing and it's really all you could ask for for your first game I thought I thought that as well. Like that was the big thing I was looking for was just how does the operation look? Are you burning tight mouths because you're don't want to get delay game penalties or guys lining up wrong or guys jumping off sides? And I thought, yeah, for the most part, I mean that was pretty pretty clean. And it was, I mean it was hot, and you got a lot of new people in new positions. So to uh, to have that go well in week one, I thought was a good sign. Just Emory Emory Jones, obviously he's the story of of the game. Uh, seven total touchdowns, you know, 19 for 23. What were some of the things that you saw in, in his game that you liked? And then what were kind of some of the things that you know from a quarterback standpoint that when they go back and watch the film, he'll be like, yeah, I could have done this differently. I probably should have done this better here. Um, well, you know, always having the threat of the run is going to help tremendously. Um, you're With him, you're probably not going to have as, as many rushes. You're going to have somebody kind of spying him. So it's going to give him a lot more time to to get the ball off. Um, and his throws were good. I didn't see anything bad. Like I said, I, I saw the, uh, you know, a little bit of the second and the third quarter. So, um, you know, they were just rolling. And the, th the second string guy looked good too, four for four uh, with a touchdown. I mean, pretty, pretty solid there. Obviously not the first string defense, but, um, you know, still looking good. Jeff, what do you got for Hayden? Okay, here you go. I think I'm muted. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I had to get, I went on mute when we started. Uh, that just, uh, like we've, we've touched on with, with Emery kind of rolling in there. I think he only had four, four incompletions. And then, uh, like being able to build up, this is an entirely new wide receiver core. I think, well, I guess that's not fair because Xavier Henderson, they played together at, at Florida. Um, but like, he looked as if he was, 
like they were all on the same page all the time like throughout like how difficult is that for like everybody else to understand how difficult that is to get that level on that level that quickly from yeah. spring ball till now yeah uh especially with just the amount of time they've had um it's it's impressive because there's a lot that goes into that there's a lot of film watching with the um with the receivers to know when they're going to break into a route uh, what type of route they're going to run here um because a lot of the times those routes are are two options you either you know cut or go and he's got to know which one so he can throw it on time so um I'm sure, you know, the way they looked, obviously, I, I'm thinking they had a lot of extra time with just the QBs and the receivers watching film together um, because that's the way it looked. It, you don't you don't come out that clean and um, have that good of a relationship with QB uh, wide receiver relationship without putting in some extra work. And, when you uh, do have a – oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, th th this is just more of a, a fun question. Do you think you could have transitioned to wide receiver – like Oof. Evan Prater. Oof. Well, one, I, I'm not that fast. Um, two, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not that easy. It's not just cut and dry. Hey, you move here and know how to do all the, the routes and, and all the blocking. And it's a totally different transition. And for him to just jump into it, I think, what was it? Beginning of camp is when it happened. Yeah. And yeah. that's like a month ago. I mean, it's unreal. Um, and obviously he's got the uh, uh, athletic ability. So it's just a matter of running the routes the right way. It's a lot of footwork into that. Um, I'm sure he's put a lot of work into it. And, you know, hands just come naturally. Uh, you know, a lot of quarterbacks think that they have the best hands on the team. And I also thought that. So um, that part would have been easy. <laughs> Yeah, you, you talk about the footwork and the just running the routes. Like I don't think people truly sometimes understand that you know if a route calls for nine yards yeah. and you break it off at nine, you can't break it off at ten. Like they're that getting that whole cadence of how many steps it takes me to get to you know where I need to be and not rounding routes off. Like I have to really break you know, there's a lot that goes into just all of a sudden being like, yeah, I'm just going to play a totally different position now. And that's that's one thing that's really good for a quarterback moving to receiver because they know everything that the quarterback is thinking. They know what they should do in certain situations. Um, so having the perspective of QB being a receiver, I mean, uh, it, it's really, really good. Yeah, I, I think thank he you, mentioned in an interview. Thank you, Tonk, for the – oh, sorry. Thank you, Tonk, for the donation. Yes, it's uh, – we're very happy to have Hayden joining us for this show and another one later on in, in the season. So yeah. uh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, um, Evan had mentioned in a uh, in one of his interviews, like somebody asked him, like, hey, are you going to go back to you know the, the quarterback and be like, hey, like I saw he's like, I don't need to do that. Like if a quarterback makes a mistake, they're, like they know what they did wrong. Yeah. I don't need to go back there because like, I'm sure there's something that I'm going to do wrong out here, wide receiver that's going to screw it up. So like, I don't yeah. need to you know go back and tell the quarterback what they're doing wrong. One one thing that he would be able to do is is like, um, listen, I know you're you're uh, I'm your second progression, you know, at this time. If there are defenders here, I'm going to cut here, uh, you know, stuff like that that he can easily talk to Emory about, and they can be on the same page. But yeah, he's not going to go to Emory and tell him what he did wrong. We know. <laughs> we know and we're going to hear it later in film too so um i'm sure evan has a good understanding of that uh when you're a quarterback and you go through a coaching change how is your role on the team kind of maybe different from just you know anybody else frankly like you guys are kind of looked at to be the leaders new coach comes you you dealt with it when luke came yeah. in like how is that for a quarterback? And then how hard is that probably for a guy like Emery who is not, he wasn't here, didn't know a lot. So he's coming in at the same time that the new coach is. So for them to all get on the same page and for him to be able to kind of take that leadership role that, you know, quarterbacks are looked at to have. Well, one thing to think about is you're also having a new, totally new offense to learn. Um, so the quarterback has to be the one to, learn it the fastest 
and be able to teach everybody else, you know, in practice, in the game, everybody's going to be coming to you for questions. Um, so if you don't know your stuff, it's going to just bring the whole team down as well. Um, unfortunately for us, uh, when, when Fickle came in, we were creating a new offense at the same time. We didn't have a new offense ready. Um, so that brings in another element of the offense wasn't ready for us to learn until basically camp. Uh, so I think that actually hurt us a little bit. And that's why, you know, a lot of penalties maybe came up because uh, honestly, we, they, they were up to camp putting together this new offense. They were merging two offenses together um, and a little bit from our old offense. So it would help. Um, but we had to learn everything from scratch. Um, and that's tough for an offense, especially, you know, when you when you have to focus um, and not jump off sides and motion the right way um, and you barely know this new offense, it, it gets tough. But with Emory coming from, you know, just being on the team, I, I don't think there's too much that's going to be different for him besides um, not knowing some of the players, you know, building the relationships that that need to happen. Um, having everybody trust you, that's a big thing. So that's probably the biggest um, – that was probably the biggest step there um, for him. That is an interesting point you brought up with the offense because in this case, you know, Scott Satterfield's coming in. He knows this offense forward. Yeah. I mean, he's run it for however many years. He's yeah. brought in some coaches that know it. So it's – it's yes, they're teaching it to the players, but <clears> – <throat> The coaches aren't teaching it to each other, and they already know exactly. You know, they're in meetings and stuff. They know exactly what it's supposed to look like. They know the little tendencies. They know the things you can do off of different plays. So it it definitely gives them a much further along starting point than than what you just referenced. Yeah, and day one they're learning the offense right when he came in. I mean, they get a packet with everything on it. And they're able to start learning every single play and they're having meetings, you know, explaining each play. Um, and this is months before camp. Right. So. So tell me a little bit about CFL experience. Yeah. What, that what was, was that like? And, and, you know, how is that different than how is it getting used to different rules and, and the size of the field and, and all that stuff? Yeah, the rules kind of came, you know, with it. It's it's there was nothing too crazy besides um, the snap count and timing up receivers because receivers are running full speed from ten yards down. So each each cadence, you're having to do the same so that receivers know when to get to the bit the beginning of the line. Um, so and then sometimes you're your cadence is on two and you have to delay and make sure the receivers. So it's, it's more on the receivers. You know, the, it, it's all on the receivers. We know our cadence. We're going to do it the same way, but these guys are running full speed. And by the time they get to the line, we're saying hi, hut. And uh, they're running full speed. That, that was the craziest part. When I went to uh, uh, rookie camp and we were doing that, that was insane because these guys are running slants at Mach 10 and I have to get the ball out, and they're already, you know, 15 yards down the field on my second step. Um, so it, it definitely is, makes it fun because every cornerback is not going to be press coverage uh, with those guys there. So that's that's cool. Uh, as far as rules, you're going to be surprised. There's a, a lot. Uh, no way. Is that Garrett Campbell? I think I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be. No way. Um, we, get, we get some celebs joining us every now and again, you know. What's up? What's up? That's my that's my man. <laughs> that's my man. What's up, Garrett? Um, yeah. As far as rules, it's it's uh, there's a lot less rules. That it's more of like responsibility that you know you have. Um, for example, in college, <laughs> your itinerary for for game day is. Friday morning, let's start. Saturday game, 7 o'clock. Friday morning, you're coming in for breakfast. You have meetings. You have walkthrough. You go to the hotel where you stay at 4 o'clock. You have dinner. You have meetings. You have snack. Saturday morning, you wake up 7 a.m. You have a, a walk with a team. 
you have breakfast, you have meetings, you have downtime, you have walkthrough, you have more meetings, um, you have pre-meal, uh, and then you go to your game. And the CFL game, say the game's at 7 o'clock on Saturday. They say, be there three hours before. And that's it. You just you got to be on time. You get ready yourself. And warm-up start at a certain time. And that was the biggest shocker for me. I was like, wow, I'm sleeping in on a Saturday morning. That is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I loved the CFL. It was, it was, it was a really fun year. Unfortunately, we had COVID the next year. Um, the season was canceled and uh, broke my foot, you know, going into the, the the first COVID year, 2021, where there was no fans, uh, no budget. And they're like, hey, you're hurt. Can't have you. We don't have the money. Sorry. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that was it. And I just I kind of, you know, found a, a good sales job that that I had and I was already doing Royal links. So I tried to put more time into that and just kind of made my decision to move on. But we made it to the great cup in 2019. So that was pretty cool for one year and done. We should have won, but unfortunately we uh, took the L. Um, but uh, it was a great, if I had to have one year, obviously being able to experience the great cup was pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, what are your, like, you know, you guys, what you're, former players and you still follow the team and everything. How, like when the big 12 stuff all started happening and then it's now it's actually in place. Like, did you guys talk about that a lot? Were you, was there like a lot of discussion with the former players about what that all meant? And, and are you excited to check out uh, any of the spots that they're going to go play this year? Um, I was looking at places and, and trying to figure out which one we would go to. Um, I think we we couldn't really figure out one. I'm in Atlanta, and <laughs> there's no close yeah. spots to Atlanta. No. Um, we're going to be at the homecoming game at Iowa State, so nice. uh, that'll be fun. And we, we don't really talk about it. We just like, you know, how are we going to compare to, you know, these bigger bigger teams? Um, if you all remember, there was talks of, of Tommy Tuberville's team moving into the big oh, yeah. 12 or big 10. And uh, obviously if we had had a good, a good year and he stayed, that might've happened. Um, but I think they chose other people instead uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, going into this year, honestly, I'm just excited to, to see how we compare with, because everybody always counted us out the last couple of years saying, Oh, y'all aren't a power five team. Y'all can't compete. And then, you know, you make it to the to the playoffs, and they're like, "Well, man, maybe now we, now it's time to really prove yourself and see if we can have a, a good year against these teams." Take take us into how you got set up with Royal Links Golf Tours. You know, obviously uh, Jeff is also the UC alum, um, mm. but how that came to be and just kind of you know i know i know because i'm a hu huge golfer and i've talked to you guys about it in the past but like all this all the places you've got to go play and now all the you know what you guys can do for you not just uc fans but in general yeah, you know, what, yeah. what you guys do to get them set up and we we actually just sent a, a, a group of uc guys and we've sent multiple uc people just from social media and, and hearing about it but um, so my father-in-law, Jeff uh, Bartholomew, he has been going to Scotland, Ireland, England, and Wales for 28 years. He goes every year um, and he, you know, planned trips each year for his friends and family throughout the time. And they always told him to, to create a business, like, come on, you need to do this for a living. And he never had enough time because always, he always had a full-time job that was a good job. So there was never any time. Um, well, I met his daughter four years ago um, in Nashville while I was training there after college, weirdly enough. Um, we got married a year later and I was in Canada at the time, or I was going to go back to Canada. And Jeff was like, Hey, what are you going to do after CFL? Do you have any plans? I was like, no. And he said, well, I've been wanting to start this golf tour company, um, I, but I needed some help. Would you want to do that? And I said, let's see. 
I love golf. <laughs> I get to go to Scotland, Ireland, England, and Wales sometimes and plan trips. Sure. Sure. I'll do that. Um, so we started the company during, during COVID and we had a lot of downtime to get all the back end stuff ready. Um, and, uh, it has been, it has been amazing. We're, we're growing rapidly. Um, a lot of people who have never been finally have the chance with somebody who can, you know, book everything for them. Um, and I got to go to Scotland last year for the first time I went in July, uh, got to see the open at St. Andrews, the 150th open. My first trip to Scotland was just amazing. I, I couldn't ex expect anything more. Yeah. That's, that's um, a pretty good first, yeah. first go of it. Like you kind of set yourself up there. Yep. We get there Friday morning and just head straight to the old course. We got tickets. We go and, and see everybody. We got to see, I mean, I got to see Tiger Woods play St. Andrews. So that alone was amazing. Um, we were sitting in the stands on the 18th as he was walking down. Um, and the two guys he was playing with walked ahead because they knew um, he was going to have a moment on the bridge. And he did. He kind of sat there and took his hat off and he started crying on the way down. Uh, it was amazing. But awesome. just things like that, that people need to experience. Um, and, and, you know, that's something we can we can obviously help with. So and then. Um, you know, we have next year, we have a, a couple things planned. We have a trip to Wales planned, a five-star trip to Wales. It's going to be about 10 couples. Um, and we've partnered with a Italy golf tourist uh, company that has planned us an itinerary for Italy next September. It's going to be three rounds, eight nights, three rounds of golf. Um, you get to take a boat tour of Lake Gorda. Uh, you visit the city of Parma, which... Of course, is where Parmesan cheese is made. <laughs> um, but Jeff's been a, a multiple times. He actually went with uh, our our partner Alberto last year, and we're very excited. We already have about four couples signed up, and we're only taking about four more. So, um, if you are interested in that, just visit the the website and um, let us know. Yeah, I mean it's it's all awesome. Like I had a you know buddy and I had a trip set up some things happened we had to cancel but i mean mm -hmm. it's definitely more than just like trying to squeeze in as much golf as you can I mean, you guys yeah. set it up to where you can really i mean this is a vacation like you want to just experience a lot of what these countries have to offer i mean obviously you're going to play golf but you know there's a lot of other stuff that that people need to see what is the best way for someone to reach out to you or jeff when they want to get set up on a trip well, the best way would be uh, if you are serious about building a trip is on the website. There's a vacation customization form and you can um, answer a couple of questions and we'll be able to have enough information, give you a call and start planning your trip. Um, if you're very early on, um, you can just call us and, and we'll get some information, kind of explain how the process works. Usually we like to start planning a year in advance. Um, so if you are thinking about it, at all if you just want to get some budget ideas you want to get some ideas of where to go when in the year to go um and just start that conversation at, at least a year out because right now it, it is crazy um there's three courses in ireland um port rush royal county down um those courses are already full in some in some months for next year in 2024 and we we had a group that wanted to go and we're like at this certain time, I'm like, well, there's actually no tea times. So unfortunately, we, we're going to have to pick some other some other courses. Um, and um, even in St. Andrews, uh, hotels are getting booked up that are that are near the old course. So, yeah, at least a year out for June, July, August. Um, yeah. Yeah, you guys got the website, Royal linksgolftours.com. I know you got a podcast that you get up, bring on some, some guests to talk golf and golf architecture and travel, you know, golf travel, stuff like that. So we really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us today and, you know, hopefully you can, we'll, you know, see you uh, when you guys come in for homecoming and then we'll yeah. kind of have you on again at the end of the year to kind of see how this first year in the big 12 yeah. went on so 
Appreciate you jumping on early this morning, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Hayden. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So that was Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore joining us for a little bit to talk about the first game of the Scott Satterfield era, like I said earlier, 66-13 victory. So, Jeff, you know, I always go to you when we when we get these things going right away and just say, what was your initial uh, reaction to the big UC win? So, I, I got home. I watched the game a little bit in reverse. I watched the second half when I got home from my son's game, and then uh, I went back and watched uh, the first half uh, after I kind of already knew what was going to happen there. Uh, incredibly impressed and i know that we talked about it last week that like the the main things we were looking for going against an opponent like this not to like take anything away from eku because the fcs program you know that they, they were very successful last year their quarterback is very good um but we they're, they're just like uh hayden mentioned they like the penalties weren't i think there was one false start penalty the whole game or at least in the first half I don't know if they I don't remember if there were any in the yeah. second half. I think they had um, seven total for 55 yards. So, I mean, nothing, nothing outrageous. And they, I mean, Emery's accuracy really impressed me. Uh, his, his deep ball impressed me. Like, obviously, like you said, he's kind of the story of the game, but then you got, you know, Xavier Henderson, seven catches, 149 yards. Like, and he went up, there was one that he went up and just ripped the ball out of the air. Yeah. Um, the receiving core is very impressive, and, and Emory was spreading the ball around. Uh, running running backs, I don't know that there was anybody that I was like, not nah, get that guy off the field. Like, uh, So that was all very impressive. Um, defense was kind of just like quietly going about their business. I mean, 13 points, yeah, it's Eastern Kentucky, whatever, but like, they just kind of did what, you know, I didn't think there was anything like crazy spectacular there, but yeah, they didn't have to be. And I didn't expect any like exotic looks or any, any kind of special packages getting run out there because there are going to be times for that uh, coming up and, and we're going to need it not to be on tape. For sure. And I think that's the, you know, we, we talked last week, I talked with Chad, just how did it all look like, how, did they look, you know, you have, and, and uh, Trevor Radosevich actually started the first two series at center. So you literally had 11 new starters on offense. Um, and so how did it look? Did guys, were guys, you know, looking at each other going, I thought you were going to do this and you did that. Were there timeouts because of guys aligning incorrectly? Like it was just a very clean operation, especially, you know, offensively. Emory, Emory Jones, obviously the story. I mean, he's a new quarterback coming in, has been at Florida, has been at Arizona. He, we've talked a lot. Keegan's wrote some great pieces about him, just his mentality and his just the way that he feels much different at UC than he felt at the other places. And the things that jumped out to me was he just really had like a lot of poise and pop, pocket presence, I felt. He, st he stood in there really well until the last second on a couple throws. Like the one specifically at the end of the half to Brady yes. Smith, he was not he, he was not in his, you know, probably first two progressions. And he stood in there, got hit, got it out to him at the at the last second. Like there were, <clears throat> you know, a couple times where I felt like sometimes quarterbacks would all right, my first read's not there, I'm, and I can run, I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. And he really didn't do that. Like, he wanted to stand in there. And on the one throw to Evan, that probably should have been a touchdown, if he'd have even stood in there a little bit longer on that play, Evan would have cleared that guy that jumped up and yeah. knocked it down. So he's probably going to watch that and go, There was the rush wasn't quite there. If I had waited just a, a beat longer, I could have got it to him. But, <clears throat> but overall, I mean – he was really like very, very impressive, even given the opponent, you know, they're a good FCS team. They're probably going to challenge to make the playoffs again this year. Um, they're going to score a bunch of points against their similar competition, but for them to come out offensively with so much unknown, so many new pieces to play that well 
was was definitely encouraging moving forward. It did not look like a team that has essentially been rebuilt from the bottom up starting, you know, in, in January or whatever you want to, like, really when the, the ball started rolling on all that. It was just, I, I expected there to be a lot, like, at least some sloppiness of, like, like noticeable sloppiness that, you know, maybe whatever, like maybe a couple turnovers here and there, or like, you know, expect, like you said, kind of maybe expecting some re- a receiver to, to maybe, you know, run a certain route or break something off at some point where then, you know, the ball gets overthrown or thrown to an area where the receiver is now not. And it's just, you know, a DB standing there that catches the ball. Uh, and it just, that just simply didn't happen. I mean, they, they looked like a team that has been together a lot longer than yeah. they have. And some of that, I guess, can yeah, it sure. goes I mean, to the kind of like what, the... no, just kind of like what Hayden was saying with like when he came in, and I mean, I didn't know that. I don't know, even know if that was like known out there that they were like essentially rebuilding an offense and trying to teach it at the same time. Whereas, like you pointed out, Satterfield's run this offense and brought guys in that have run it with him forever, so they're able to be like, look, this is the offense, and this is what we need you to do. Go do it. Yeah. I mean, they, I thought they ran the ball well. Obviously, Corey Kiner had the biggest day with a 54-yard run, but if even if you take that out, he still averaged 4.2 yards a carry. Uh, you know, guys had runs of 10, 12, 13 miles with seven for 43, so 6.1 yards a carry. Um, you know, and they're just they're going to get better and better at running. Then I mean, they're they've never they're you know I don't know how much game planning they even did for for EKU, but I mean, you're just getting ready. It's just all about reps. You're, they're going to get better and better at, at running the ball. I felt like it was more efficient. I felt like it was, um, it just felt like you weren't just running the ball right up the center and the guards ass. Like there was rhyme and reason to it. And guys were getting three yards, five yards, seven yards, 13 yards. I thought what they did with Aaron Turner, you know, you have the whole line is zone blocking down one way and Turner is coming around behind the play in a bubble roll. And now they're running the option to him. Like there, there was just a lot of diversity in the play calling. You had two tight end sets. You had five wide, no running back sets. You had, you know, Barack Falk or a tight end as an H back lead blocker, you know, and everybody's moving one way. And then Emory Jones is kind of peeling out and, pitching it to Aaron Turner. Um, I thought they did a good job, like, moving Emory, not just, like, sprint outs, but little half rolls or just moving the pocket a little bit so the launch point is a little bit different and the defense doesn't know exactly where the quarterback's going to be. I thought he threw the ball well on the move, too. I mean, mean, 19 for for 23, you're pretty accurate all the way around. But, you know, he threw the ball well on the move, gave – put the ball in nice catchable spots. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about. I think if there was one thing that, you know, to be critical about, I still think the tackles could be better. Yes. Um, both John Williams and DeAndre Buford had holding penalties. I think Williams was probably called 50% of the time. So, I mean, I understand Buford's was more like Emery got out of the pocket and he yeah. kind of just grabbed the guy, but he also gave up the pressure that, that allowed the strip sack um, fumble. So, you know, still things to clean up there. I know I saw Philip Wilder came in midway through the third quarter with the rest of the starting group at right tackle. So that could be something, you know, worth, keeping an eye on, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to make a change or anything, but you know, it was a concern coming in. I thought they played okay, but there were certainly some areas where they can, can clean up their play. Um, when they, especially when they go up against, you know, better, more productive um, outside pass rushers. Yeah. Uh, and obviously and we, we talked about it last week, like, this is a game where you know we just kind of wanted to see how things were going to mesh together and how things were going to start to to look like they were fitting together, and it certainly looked like everything is fitting together very well. I mean, we scored sixty six points, and 
in the last, I went all the way back to 2003, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, including the game yesterday. Since two, there's been seven games we've scored 60 plus points. So, I mean, the last time we scored more than that was 2011 against Austin P with 72. I just feel like sometimes we got in, we would get into these games and UC wouldn't, you know, you'd expect them to win. They would win the game, but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a, a, a drubbing and uh, you know, something that you would expect to see and certainly something you would expect to see on more, you know, t- on teams that are a little been together a little longer and you put together a team like this. And it's just, to me, it's, it was just impressive that they were able to go out there, do what they needed to do and, and you know, not have, you know, you're not like biting your nails to the end of the game. Uh, ho- hoping that they're right. able to squeeze out a win over Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, and, and the coaches will have way more things than, than we'll have to Absolutely. correct. But it's much easier to just take a, you know, the first game of a new coaching staff, a ton of new guys, I'm more so looking at it big picture. Like, yes, if I wanted to really sit down, like and I rewatched most of it this morning um, just to make sure I was seeing, you know, picked up on anything that I didn't see yesterday, but like if we wanted to sit here and like really drill down, I'm sure we could find a ton of mistakes, but that's not really the point of, you know, a first game, new coaching staff, new players. Like we wanted to see what it just, what did it look like? Uh, And I think the, you know, pass with, with flying colors. Uh, Let's talk a little bit defense and then thankfully we can talk some games on paper stuff because it, it was on there, which is nice. But, um, you know, defense I thought was pretty vanilla. They didn't didn't get a ton of pressure in the first half. Um, you know, held EKU to three for eleven on third down. You know, I think some on their one touchdown drive in the first half got got a little out of out of spot on some run fits. Allowed some allowed a thirty four yard run, but outside of that run, they only gained two point nine yards per carry. So they did a pretty good job overall. Uh, Daniel Gressick led the way, seven tackles, a sack, forced fumble, fumble recovery, two tackles for loss. Uh, Justin Harris had an interception. I thought Justin Harris, when Sammy Anderson went out, I thought he played really well. He made a nice play uh, stopping the run, and then he almost had a pick six. six. And the very next play, he gets the interception. (laughs) So that was good to see uh, Brian Threats with an interception. His interception was very – was impressive uh, because he was – almost overrunning where he, you know, obviously he was covering yeah, on the back side of things and it gets tipped up and he just like, uh, it was, it was always impressed me. There's all, they snatch the ball from mm-hmm. where it appears like tip. their body is going this way and the ball yeah. is going this way. It's just like, yeah, so. I thought they could have tackled a little bit better. A um, couple couple instances where I felt like they're, you know, coming up and trying to knock a guy down with just you know just throwing their shoulder into shoulder the tackle into a little bit better where you're playing up you know a little bit different caliber of player that you know that missed tackle turns into a, a much bigger play than it did but again i mean you've got a, not as many new guys but you've got several new guys you got a new scheme you're playing a and i give eku credit like they didn't try to limit possessions or they didn't, you know, they ran their stuff and they've got a good quarterback and they've got some, probably a, a much better offensive line than a lot of uh, FCS, FCS teams have, uh, especially from like a size standpoint. I thought their guys were, were, were much more of an FBS type of line, but you know, it was, you know, I, I don't think they showed a lot defensively. I think they knew that unless they break a bunch of big plays, they're not just going to have a 10 play, you know, 75 yard drives against us. So, right. you know, again, just like on the offensive side, some things to clean up. Uh, but, all, but all in all, you know, you got some pressure in the second half, got some sacks for some, for some turnovers, did a good job on third down, no stupid penalties, no, you know, roughing the passer, no person, you know, un- knocking a guy out of bounds when he's, you know, clearly already out of bounds. So, you know, again, pretty, pretty clean across the board. Yeah. Going to need to be that way going forward as well. I and mean, we, obviously we've, we've gone through a few years where the, 
it seemed like there's been a little bit of uh where we kind of sometimes sacrifice the uh the discipline on the the hopes of some i don't know some maybe some bigger like quote unquote knockout kind of plays and uh it i mean it it's hurt us yeah there was one one yesterday where uh deshaun pace i was like oh there's some growth from deshaun he like could have just planted a guy out of bounds and instead he just kind of like hugged him because he was already i'm like oh your brother would have definitely got a 15 yard penalty last year for that one (laughs) but uh we'll look at uh you know when we look at the game on paper and if you're a analytics person or just like seeing the games broken down a little bit deeper game on paper is a great we'll give them a plug great website the number that jumped out to me and we'll see if you if did you have a chance to look at it yet i literally just pulled it up so I'm the, scrolling the, through quickly the number that jumps out to me that's the the, 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 the good one in my opinion is the 15.39 yards per drop back <laughs> Well, uh, that goes to the fact that there were four incompletions the entire game. Four incompletions the whole game, and they threw for whatever, you know, 400-something yards. But, yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of green. You know, green's good. Purple's Dark purple's bad. Dark green's good. But, uh, yeah, 9.71 yards per play for the offense. Uh, here's a good another good one. Over a point in expected points per drop back so every time they dropped back yesterday it was worth one point no matter if they completed it or not i mean again they only had four incompletions so that that certainly helps but yes every drop back was worth a point you're gonna win a lot of games that's the case yeah i mean there's not you know you know they they held you know a team that threw from us you know i'm sure with the backup playing last year but Parker McKinney threw from us 4,000 yards last year and they had negative, you know, negative 0. 0.5, 0. 0.15 yards per drop back. It's not going to so, get it done. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's, again, we're, we're taking the, the opponent and everything with a grain of salt. It'll be a much different experience next week up at pit. Certainly a different experience when Oklahoma comes to town after they just made Butch Jones cry on the sideline. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure anybody that's listening <laughs> to this podcast is, is going to feel bad about that. Yeah, but probably that, not. That was an interesting one. You're getting you know, beat 73 to nothing. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I saw the tweet go out and I was like, oh, I forgot he was there. Yeah, maybe not for long. <laughs> well, yeah. There were, I mean, there were maybe a story for another day. Yeah, but uh, you had you know fifty seven percent success rate overall offensively. That's in the ninety seventh percentile, sixty five percent third down success rate. I thought that was something that jumped out to me yesterday. Is with the run game, and we've ta- and I've belabored this point. Like with the way that they should be running the ball and the style that they run it, they should it should be much easier for them to just get three yards, to get five yards than it has been over the last couple of years. And we saw yesterday that that was the case. Like there, there were a couple like long third downs, but like for the most part, it was not like they were sitting there at third and eight and, yeah. and, you know, Emory Jones is, is making a play and, and, and getting the ball, you know, a wide receivers making a crazy catch to convert a third down or something. It was manageable stuff. And, and that's the biggest takeaway that I have from the running game is just putting them in such better positions to use their talent and, you know, to use Emory Jones and, you know, his touchdown run delayed blitz kind of right up in his face. And then his athletic ability takes over, mm-hmm. makes the guy miss, you know, kind of scrambles out a little bit and then cuts it back up the middle. Like sometimes you just need your players to make, an, athle- an athletic play like you're not always going to be able to block up everybody um you know i don't know if that was a missed assignment by someone it might have been or it might have just been hey all our guys are blocking and they send an extra guy and our guy has to make a play and he didn't panic he didn't you know he just he made the play there and i think that's 
you know, we talk about his running ability, and yes, we saw that on display several times, but his ability to move in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, I was impressed with, and then just the plays that he's able to extend and then turn into doesn't even have to turn him into a big play, but just get you out of a positive, a, a positive play. Right. Get you out of a negative play. Like if he just takes a sack there, it's not a big deal. I don't even know if it was third down, but they're inside the red zone. Like they probably kick a field goal, whatever. But his ability is able to then turn that into a touchdown. And I think that's something we had been missing, um, you know, with Bennett quarterback that, we, that was such a big part of what Des did was it wasn't necessarily just giving him the ball and saying run. It was that there'd be plays that, you know, split second, slower guy or not as, not as athletic guy. And it's a, a sack or a throwaway that he's turned into a, just a, even if it's a five yard gain, it's a seven yard gain. Right. No, we talked about, and we talked about having him back there and, and Hayden kind of touched on it a little bit as well. Uh, just having him back there with the threat of the fact that he can run. But I mean, he, what he, he had like nine rushes, I think, which, you know, for somebody who's able to run for him to kind of just, okay, like I, I'll run when I have to and I can do it well, but I can also throw the ball and I'm very accurate when I throw the ball. And he was, I, I thought he, I mean, he's obviously you're not looking at a freshman coming in or even like, you know, an underclassman that is trying, like he's got experience. He's played in big games. He's, you know, done. He was very good at Florida. Obviously like can't really hold a lot of the Arizona state stuff. To any like, any value really because of the situation and stuff going on out there, but just he's he's very impressive. Obviously, we have a, a big game against Pitt next week, um, and, and we'll see how it how it translates there. But I am my confidence level is is ever growing in this team, and maybe that's to a detriment. But <laughs> you know. I mean, I think it's all right. I mean, there was so much unknown. If if people want to be like over their skis after one week. Go ahead. I mean, that's not gonna, not not gonna bother me. I think there's a lot of good to take away from it, mm-hmm. and some stuff that I know that they'll see, and that is very correctable. So, but again, you know, you're look. The cliche is the team takes its biggest step from week one to week two. So we'll see if that cliche holds true or not. But then you're also going from a home game against an FCS team to a road game against an, a, you know, a similarly talented team as you. <clears throat> so it'll, you know, how much of what we saw last week do we well, see true. next, next week? Or is it like totally different? And we're like, oh, okay, maybe the, the competition played, really? played, played more of a factor into it. Uh, anybody else offense defense that you want to, you know, spotlight that you thought had a, had a good performance. Um, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, but the kid from Utah State that came in. Daniel um, Brezik. Yep, there we yep. go. Um, I, I thought, like, I just like, I like his energy. <laughs> like, the, the dude is, and he's with two tackles for loss, a sack, um, you know, seven total tackles, five solo tackles. Obviously, you know, you got Deshaun Pace, who I think is, is uh, settling into that star role very, uh, very nicely, uh, he seemed to be kind of flying around. Even on, uh, I think there was one. Maybe he either I don't know if he missed the tackle, and then he chased it down. And then he chased it yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're gonna have those uh, a little bit of maybe oh, maybe a little uh, overcommitment on the initial uh, the initial attempt, but then turning around and being able to to run it down. That's I thought, a, I, I, I thought Eric Phillips had a nice game. Uh, you know, two tackles, sack. Both tackles were for loss. Uh, chase down. You know, it was a bad snap, but Parker McKinney can run. He's yep. you know got outside, chased him down. Um, so it, it, that's an important one to me. Whether it's him, whether it's somebody else, like I think we know what Greshik can be and and is. But who is another guy? or two or whatever, whether it's a defensive end, whether it's a linebacker, like who's another guy that's going to be somebody 
that can put pressure on the quarterback because they're not you're not going to be able to to live very long if you just have kind of one guy somebody else is going to have to whether it's Malik whether it's Phillips whether it's Jamal Williams um you know pace who knows like somebody 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 have to be able to pressure the quarterback when we get into the big 12 or they're just they're not going to be able to have this you know, blitzy mentality if they don't think the guys are going to get there because they're going to put their DBs out on islands and and that won't won't work as well for them. So it was nice to see him uh, have have a good first game. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we kind of. I mean, Emory Jones and the offense was. Yeah, you obvious. can pretty much just pick a name and say like list off the the good things that they did. Obviously, uh, the the main main storyline. So, um, you know. Anything from the rest of college football other than kind of being like, if we're being honest, like kind of a dud weekend. Well, we said that we said it was going to be. I've watched what I think are a lot of mediocre teams (laughs) so far this weekend. I mean, we we said last week when we started looking at at what was going on that there was not a lot of um, exciting games going on this week i mean obviously you've got you know uh colorado beating tcu and uh travis hunter who i i think played every snap uh of the game uh both sides of the ball uh, which is insanity uh, but he did it well i don't know i don't know how long that's sustainable for at the, i mean I, I guess he did it last year but like I, I don't really know how you know sustainable that is at, at uh you know, at this level, he looked good doing it though. Uh, Ohio State only, only, I say only one by 20 um, over Indiana. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought it would be a lot more than that, but you know, the quarterback things going on there that, that we mentioned uh, last week, Michigan only scored seven second half points, but I don't really know if, and they only won, I mean, they won 30 to three. So it's not like it was a blowout, like a crazy blowout going in that they like pulled everybody. And maybe they did. I didn't want to see it. Uh, but just from looking at it here, uh, and that's, I mean, not like it's an uncomfortable victory at 27 points. So, but that's your preseason uh, champion. Right yeah. Well, I mean, we all know what Mike Houston and the boys in East Carolina can do. So, I mean, you know, I think looking at the Big 12 specifically, it's an interesting, interesting, couple interesting games. I mean, obviously, Colorado. Beats TCU, Texas State pretty much handled Baylor, like forty-two thirty-one, and I mean for the most part, really wasn't ever in doubt. Um, you know, Houston beats UTSA seventeen fourteen. I thought UTSA would actually win, but uh, so I guess that's a good win for them. Oklahoma State struggled with Central Arkansas, only beat them twenty-seven thirteen. Kansas ended up winning by a lot the other night, but they were in a pretty close game for the entire first half. Uh, so I think that, I mean, it, it is what we've talked about, though. I mean, I think there's a lot of Big 12 teams that are <clears throat> kind of in that muddled middle, so to speak, and and we'll kind of see who separates themselves. But, <clears throat> um, you know, again, week one, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know the opponents that they're playing and if they're, you know, what their situations are, but you just look right. at, you look at box scores and you're like, huh, that's, that's an interesting one. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It just, maybe just means, well, let's keep an eye on this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, if a team played an FCS game and, and didn't look particularly well, now they play an FBS game the next week. Like, does that, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see like Oklahoma state. Didn't play well against Central Arkansas. Now they go to Arizona State, who's not really good. But how do they how do they look from one week to the next? Yeah, how do, how does that change things? And right. like, I mean, we you know, you, same goes for UC. You know, you you play EKU. Now you got to go to Pitt, and then you oh, yeah. right after that you've got Oklahoma rolling in here. Is there you know seventy three to nothing win over Arkansas State really worth seventy three to nothing? Over Arkansas State, like, 
where where does that land them? Um, I, I don't even know who they who do they play next week. Do they even have like Oklahoma? A, yeah, uh, they, they play have... they play SMU. Okay. They're on the they're on the AAC schedule, so they got SMU then Tulsa before they play us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's anybody... nice going to ESPN and not having to go to the AAC. Uh, I can just click Big Twelve <laughs> AAC page. Also, maybe that game yesterday will uh, quell everybody's thoughts on white helmets. I like, hey, I like white helmets. I like the white helmets. I, I liked the I liked the unis yesterday. I thought the it was nice. The names popped real nice. You could oh, yeah. you know read them nicely from the uh, from the stands. Yeah, Josh says don't forget about fake Miami in week three. Oh, yeah. Did you see the, Buddy from, from Miami bowl? this week? Did you see him this week? Their quarterback. How he said we're the real Miami. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't go great. I don't know that anybody expected that to go very well for him. But like, to his credit, like, what's he supposed to say? Like, oh no, we're like. We're I mean, I don't think you have to say we're the real Miami. I mean, maybe, like, maybe not. Maybe not. But you know, I think I think there were other things he could have said besides that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're really gonna give it our all. Um, <laughs> and what we got tonight, we have. We do have what the the FSU game is tonight. Yeah, we do, and I don't know if I can watch it or not because of Spectrum. Oh, that's not good. So, we'll find out. I think I'm getting YouTube TV shortly. That's a good decision. As that's in, like I shortly, have. I mean, like maybe by the time we're done with this uh, podcast. It's good. It's it's a good one. And now that uh, you know, there's games on Fox and stuff that I can watch, I upped it to the 4K version. Oh, but that's does that cost more money? Yes. Oh. Um, but then you have Clemson and Duke, and Duke uh, that's uh, tomorrow night, and Duke unveiled uh, some neat uh, neat helmets that they're gonna wear. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't seen those. You'll have to check that out. Just says Duke on the oh. side of the helmet in you know fancy writing. Well, I mean, when we get off of here, everybody can get excited for Northwestern Rutgers at noon. Well, watch Ben Bryant. I think I'm going to go to my daughter's soccer game instead and watch five-year-olds run around in circles. I, I don't blame you. That one that one might not be very pretty. No. Might not be very pretty. Um, don't have a ton. You know, obviously, we still have, we have opening NFL opening game Thursday night and then opening week um, Sunday. So we'll, you know, we'll see. We may have some Travis Kelsey, Brian Cook, conversation next week after the chiefs lions game um, we can also say you know like ivan pace yeah did, did ivan what pace. We thought he would do, i mean which was, what a stunner couldn't imagine right i think we actually talked about it on the show last year uh it was kind of the same thing uh, that you know one, we thought once he got an opportunity to get on the field it would be very difficult for somebody to be like yeah we don't want that guy so it, it is a great reminder of Getting drafted is great, but him not getting drafted versus going in the sixth or seventh round and then picking to go to Minnesota was beneficial to him. I don't know how many fold because that defense was a mess last year. They basically started over and he had a very, very clear path to to making the team. To where people are like, oh, I wish the Bengals would have drafted him. Well, I mean, yeah, I wish the Bengals would have drafted him because I'm a Bengals fan and an Ivan Pace fan. But he's pro- I mean, he's not starting over Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Right. So where would he rather go? Would he rather fight to make the team on the Bengals or go to a place where he knows I have a, if I do what I can do and do what I think I can, you know, think I'm capable of, I can be a starter mm-hmm. in the NFL. So like. Yeah, he's probably making a little bit more money, but like, well, you want to play. You want to be in a situation where you can get right. on the field. And so, and put tape out there that is relevant tape in an NFL game so that if for whatever reason something else comes up and, you know, like it's time to move on to another team or something, like you have that as opposed to, hey, look at, you know, my shuttle run that I did at the training facility last week. Right. 
that doesn't help you if you don't ever play. So, you know, good. I'm very happy for him. He's got a good defensive coordinator there. Hopefully they, you know, take some steps this year. And because uh, I think they got a chance to, you know, they'll be, I think they'll be right there. That division's pretty wide open with Aaron Rodgers gone now. So I think, you know, I might not say any of the teams, but some of the teams can win, win the division. I think them and the Lions are probably the favorites, but I'm not going to put the Bears on there. That's for sure. <laughs> but I think that about wraps it up. I mean, we, we hit hit the game pretty well. We'll obviously have Pitt next week. Uh, that's a 6.30 kickoff on the CW. So better, you know, I, even, I, guess, I, think I, try, I guess try to find that. That's a new one for me. I have no idea what, what channel that is. <laughs> I think that, I think that's the old star 64. All right. Yeah. So. But uh, again, thanks to Hayden Moore. Thanks for to Royal Links Golf Tours for uh, their continued partnership. Make sure you reach out to him or Jeff if you're planning a you know British Isles golf trip. Thanks to uh, sick Aaron Smith for helping us out and producing the show this morning. Thanks to my great partner, Jeff Howe. Thanks to all of you. Had a nice full room today, so I'm glad everybody's getting back in the swing of things after a a busy Labor Day weekend of football. So we will be back again at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning to recap the Pittsburgh game on the third episode of the Bearcat Brunch. Have a great day, everybody.